1: This is September 11th, and this is The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Haywood, Milan Lucic, Brad Marshall. Kelly Aaron Baines, Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents a cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street in Boston. And welcome to another Bruins Beat here on CLNS Media. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy, and training camp is upon us as I record this. It is the uh, training camp eve, uh, so to speak, uh, as the Bruins will, well, they'll kind of hold two training camps. Uh, one half of the team, or the, the whole squad will be over in, Ch- uh, one half of the squad will be over in China. And one half will be back here stateside. And joining me now to talk about that and some other pretty interesting topics that have happened over the last week since our last podcast is our intern, Evan Marinovsky. And Evan, how you doing, my friend?
0: What's up, Murph? I'm doing great. Uh, school has started. Hockey's right around the corner. The Patriots started yesterday. I, I could not be any more happy to be here.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a good time of year right now and uh, Evan, first off, we want to thank you for all your help uh, in the off season, uh keeping the Bruins beat going and all the Bruins news on CLNS media and keep up the good work, my friend.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been, a, okay. I mean, it's so fun, you know, obviously covering this team and CLNS is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know what, why not? Okay. Well, you know, before
1: we get in, I know that uh, we were just talking off air, Evan, and that, uh, you know, David Krejci is a, a topic that we want to get into it's uh, you know it's interesting the remarks he had to Joe Haggerty and we'll address those um, but before we do get into that Evan you know tomorrow is uh, of course the anniversary of 9/11 17 years and I can't believe it and I, I, I think I've told you this before Evan but I want to share it with our listeners and you know I always like to kind of honor uh, those who we lost on those day, that day. 17 years ago, and, uh, and of course, some of my friends that I lost that day. Um, but I think I've told you before, that was actually 17 years to the day I started as a Bruins reporter. That was my first day on the beat uh, for the Boston Metro at the time. Uh, i am sure many around uh, the Boston area know what we're talking about. It's that little subway paper. It's still free, still amazingly free, and still somehow still going. I give them credit. I didn't think 17 years later that the Boston Metro would still be going, but I, you know, it, it was a, it was an interesting day, Evan, I, I, I think I, I might have told your whole story, but I'm going to say it anyway, so I apologize if I did, but I think it's, it's interesting for our listeners to hear, so, you know, I think our listeners, if you're Bruins fans and you follow the Bruins media, you, media, you also have heard of Matt Kalman, uh, who does a lot of work for CBS Sports Local, a lot of freelance work, he's been with NHL.com, he's done some stuff with the Boston Herald.
0: We love Matt Kellman.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think Matt, Matt's one of the hardest workers in this uh, industry right now, in this media industry, and um, it was actually ironic. Uh, that day, I was also working a temp job at the time because the, uh, the Boston Metro was only paying me $25 a story, so obviously, <laughs> I'm not going to survive there, but I was, I was only two years removed from the school you're at right now, UMass Amherst, and woo woo. I had come back, I had moved home. Um, in probably I want to say July, August, 2001, I had been down on Long Island in uh, Long Beach, New York, where I was doing a post-grad internship and bartending. I was working with the New York Islanders on a post-grad internship and bartending in Long Beach, New York. For anyone that doesn't know it, Long Beach, New York is basically this old school Irish town right next to Queens, right near Rockaway beach. Like, you know, the good old Ramon song, rock, 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 Rockaway beach. Yep. That's where I was, and uh, the town is pretty much split. They're either cops or they're firemen, and they're all on the NYPD or the, uh, the you know, the NYFD. And from my front porch, Evan, I mean, I, I woke up every day. I would walk out my front porch, and I could see the two towers, the trade center. I had a direct shot across the bay. It's clear as day I could see him. you know? So if I had been there when these towers were attacked and when they went down, I mean, I would have watched the whole thing unravel right there from my front porch. I mean, I was that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just basically like, you know, for people that are familiar with Boston, I guess, picture like if you were down in like, uh, Hingham or maybe Marshfield and you're looking across the Harbor, Boston Harbor at the city landscape, that's kind of the view I had of New York and that's what I would have seen. That day, that morning, if I was there, but I was up in Boston, working a tent job, next to Matt Calman at a desk, and I remember driving to the uh, to the job. It was in Watertown, Mass, and I was living in Arlington. And I remember driving to the job, and I'm listening to AF, and I hear you know LB and the Hillman, and these guys are talking, and like what? They're like what the bleep? Like a plane just hit the Trade Center in New York, and they're like it's got to be some drunken idiot in a small plane. And they're like. How the hell do you miss the trade center? You know, and I, I remember thinking, yeah. this, I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Something's, something's weird about this. I get to the job in Watertown and I park my car, I get in, and everybody is at their desk, like glued to the computer, and not for work purposes. And everybody's like, holy shit, holy shit. And as we start to realize it, you know, you realize that it wasn't just some small plane and it wasn't an accident. And so we all circled into the cafeteria. We watched on a big TV there. And then as we're watching, the second plane hits. And, you know, that's when you knew we were under attack. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm, you know, dumbfounded because, A, I had an old college roommate. A good friend of mine was starting a new job in one of the towers, actually the second tower to be hit. And he was starting a new job there. And then I also, like I said, I knew, a, uh, I knew a lot of firemen and policemen on the force in New York. So I knew they were all around there. And then my neighbor that lived above me in Long Beach was one of the janitors overnight at the World Trade Center. So he literally had just left his shift, thank God. But I didn't know about my buddy. And I'm trying to reach my buddy, my old college roommate there. And he's, he's not picking up. He's not picking up. Of course, the phones got all jammed and you couldn't even get through to anybody. So I said, Look, I, I got to go. And I said to the boss, I said, Look, I can't concentrate. I know people in those buildings right now. I know people that are going to be going there as firemen. I can't I can't get any work done right now. And she's, Well, if, if you leave, then you don't have a job. <laughs> she said that to you? Yeah. <laughs> she said that. On 9 11? Yeah. And I'm like, You know what? I quit. F you. And I just freaking walked out. And I was like, Really? Are you kidding me? So I, yeah, nice boss, huh? So uh, it was a company called Media Map. I don't even know if they're still there. So I say to Calvin, I'm like, hey, man, I hope – you know, Calvin's from New York. He's from, I think, Queens or Long Island, somewhere around there, same area. And I said, I hope everybody you know is okay, and that was that. So I'm driving back, and I'm making sure – trying to make sure everyone I know is all right. You know, at that point, we don't know if Boston's going to be under attack either, and the planes that come from Boston. So I stop at home, and I'm just getting ready – I'm just getting ready, and then we start to hear more news that the Pentagon had been hit, and I'm like, all right, well, whatever. i got to get up to Bruins camp, and I call. I can't get through. Nobody's telling us if it's still on, but that was the first day of training camp. Ironically, it starts on 9-11 this year as well on a Tuesday, uh, just like it was in 2001. And, Evan, I'm driving up 93 to Wilmington because they were still in Restuccia Arena then, and all of a sudden, the PR guy sends an email out. and He's like, yeah, it's canceled. So I turn around, I get home. And then you're starting to see some names of the victims come out and some of the passengers that were on these flights. And through my job with the Islanders, I had gotten to know uh, Ace Bailey, Garnet Ace Bailey, who was a former Bruin, you know, won the Stanley Cup here with Bobby Orr, just a real character, man. And I had gotten to know him because I would check in the media and the scouts at the Coliseum and this guy used to come in, just tell us tons of stories, have us in stitches laughing. And a couple of times he'd take us out for beers and stuff, just a class act. And I also knew Mark Davis, of course, BU player, local player here. Uh, and both of them were scouts for the Kings. And, you know, they passed, they passed on one of those flights. They were, they were killed. And, you know, it was just a real interesting time. man. like, uh, th- cause it's, you know, it's momentous to me because I was starting my career there. So imagine if you get out of college right now <laughs> and you're starting a career as a Bruins reporter and you're all excited and then something like that happens. And it's just like, that's what you're going to think of instead of, wow, this is the first time I'm ever covering the Bruins. That's what I thought of.
0: Yeah, that's um, a rough start. That's, that's was,
1: crazy, man. I mean, obviously, I'll never forget it. And then, you know, obviously, a lot of stuff to pour in. I found out I had lost a couple more friends. Um firemen and cops. Uh but funny story. <laughs> I think I told you this.
0: Talk about you, a turn of emotion. Yeah,
1: if there if there was a, a way to, to to make me smile on that day, it came from my buddy from UMass, who uh well let's just say he had a uh he had an affection for partying real hard. Yes. You uh, told let, me this and I love is, this. Let's story. just let's just put it like you know, to put it lightly, he, he liked to party, but that's an understatement. So apparently you know, despite it being his first day on a new job, he decided it was a bright idea to, and it turned out to be a great idea, but he decided it'd be a good idea to go out in a bender the night before and he was out partying all night. He slept through the whole day of 9-11 and he calls me around five o'clock and he's like, dude, what's with all the messages? Why do you keep calling me? I'm like, <laughs> are you for real? Are you, like, seriously, are you for real? And it, it turned out he had no idea. I go, you might want to put on the TV put me on hold. And so he turns on the TV and you just hear him go, Holy shit.
0: And yeah. And you'd think with, with a story like that, he could write a book. Yeah. Like, and he he, he, well,
1: he should have played. The, he should have played the lottery that night, you know, yeah, I'm sure he awesome. won, but he hit the lottery there. I mean, for once part, for once the UMass partying habits that we, uh, we all possess came through in the clutch,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and that's the only time I think it's ever happened. Yeah, exactly. I uh, you know, and that saved his life, but, um, and you yeah. went back to the Metro after, right? Or did you? Not? Yeah,
1: I went back. Yeah. So I covered, I ended up covering for about seven years. I covered the uh, Bruins with, for the Metro and freelance for a couple other places too. But, you know, and that was actually the first game of that year of the 0 one season uh, was when they retired Ray Bork's number too. So it was, you know, it was kind of a, a really emotional night. I'll never forget the first game they ever covered, the first real game you know, Ray Bork's number going up, but also, you know, they're remembering, I mean, it was still so fresh. I mean, it's less than a month after 9-11. So they were remembering the victims of that. And You know, it was, it was an interesting time, man. But I mean, I, I bring this up because I think, you know, we say it, never forget, but you shouldn't forget. So, you know, for all those out there that were affected by that tragic day, uh, you know, my thoughts, and my prayers are with you. I think you right now. And, uh, thinking of guard Ace Bailey and I want to dedicate this podcast to him. This Bruins beat goes out to Ace Bailey and his family and let's get into talking some hockey cause that's what Ace like to do. And that a boy, there we go. And you know what? We, we said it earlier. We want to talk about David Krejci, and, uh, David Krejci is really weird, you know, cause like when he came back, uh, he was at the, the captain skates there and we we're in a scrum. And then after the scrum broke off, and we played, of course, that scrum on last week's Bruins beat, but after the scrum broke off –
0: uh, you should go listen.
1: Yeah, Hags and I actually hung out and spoke with them for a bit. We were just talking about Prague and the year they went to – you know, because they're starting a preseason overseas, and we said, hey, you know, remember that year? It was the year they won the cup. They started the season in Prague, and we were just talking about the trip and everything. We were having a good time. We were cracking some jokes, you know trading some memories of that trip, which was just such Shooting the breeze trip.
0: with David creation. Yeah. Oh, you man. know,
1: actually, I, you know, I, I, I will say that my, my seven year old daughter was conceived on that trip.
2: <laughs>
0: TMI Murph. Come
2: on. Yeah. TMI. T-M-M-M-M-M-M. But
1: Hey, it's a special place for me, man. You know, that's, that's, it has special meaning, but it was, uh, it was an interesting frog
0: holds trip. a special place in a couple of heads.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you what, we, we had a good time talking about it, you know, and like, He also was sitting, he goes, why does everyone keep asking me about my weight? Because they did do that a couple times. And he's like, what's the big deal? I've never really been overwhelmed yet. I couldn't understand that either. But anyhow, he said nothing, nothing came up about, you know, the whole Tavares thing. But good on Hags. I don't know if he got him alone at the golf tournament or what, because he was the only one who had the story. But Hags got him to open up. And, you know, I just, shame on me. That had slipped my mind, because I would have asked it in that scrum. The fact that's one of the biggest topics that we heard during the whole Tavares sweepstakes was, you know, they're gonna have to trade a guy like Krejci to pave the way for Tavares's cap hit and for a center slot there. They're gonna have to trade him away. That's just the only way they can do it. And it was, you know, people don't understand. And I saw a lot of responses on Twitter kind of bashing Krejci. saying, maybe if you played better, they wouldn't be talking about you and trade. Hey, idiots. The reason he is brought up in a trade and the reason he's attractive is he plays great. and He's one of the best centers the Bruins have had in the history of their organization. And, and he's been one of the most consistent centers for the last seven years, even longer, the last 10 years. Uh, and that's why teams want him. He's got a reasonable cap hit and he's a great number two center on a contending team. And it's not that he stinks, it's that he's he's attractive because he's good. And that's why, you know, we would say, Make the logical sense would be that they would trade away raid Krejci if they signed to Tavares. And, of course, he opens up to hags about this and apparently was not too happy at all. We'll read you a quote here. He says, I had no idea what was going on. My agent didn't tell me anything because he said he didn't know anything. I didn't get any phone calls from anyone from the Bruins. So I was just getting those Instagram message messages from fans telling me to request a trade in my inbox. I knew that I have a no trade.
0: <laughs> really? People
1: are demented, man.
0: <laughs> I, I know that I have a oh, no trade. Man. The, the, the pe- fans are Instagram DMing me, saying I should request a trade. I guess I have to request a trade now.
1: I didn't even realize you could Instagram a player. I figured they had to have, like, special permission to do that with an
0: account. Well, you can, if, the, if they leave it on, they, you can.
1: That's okay, like, so lesson know. learned by Krejci. But he says, I know that I have a no trade, so they would have ha- had to call me if they did end up signing Tavares. Yeah, that was kind of something I enjoyed. This is this is typical check. English Crecci, though, it's not really him saying he enjoyed it. He was being sarcastic there, and it didn't come off in the quote here. But it was over pretty quick.
0: It was a quick couple weeks. It is what it is. That had to suck for him. Imagine, like, th- think about this. Like, you're re- they're trying to get your replacement, and they're just not contacting you at all. But it's the biggest storyline. Everyone's writing about it. Everyone's talking about it. And you're just sitting there like, yeah, I'm kind of the scapegoat here. Like, well, that has to suck. But here's the thing. Was, was he going to be replaced or were they going to keep him? We don't have any factual evidence.
1: That was just the media hypothesizing that he would be the odd man out. We have no yes, factual evidence. We like evidence. to
0: hypothesize.
1: What I will tell you, though, and it is a fact, and I know this, and I've written about it before, and, and I can say this with the utmost confidence, is that they have definitely, I won't say shopped, but they have discussed and entertained offers for David Krejci numerous times over the last four years since that year when they got bounced from the canadians in seven games in 2014 in the second round they have definitely explored the idea of trading
0: david Krejci. so well that was sort of peak Krejci that, that was peak Krejci trade value i mean he had 69 points that year um, since then he hasn't hit that the closest he came was 63 in 1516 16. Um, so when you look at that i mean that was really as i said peak trade value for david Krejci. um to people saying he, sh- I think he'd be the perfect guy to trade because a lot of teams would kill for a center like him. It's just that the Bruins pay—you know—he's a cap at a seven-two-five each year. He's the second-line center. There are teams that would kill to have a guy like David Krejci on their team, and and even though his 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 stats weren't amazing last year, and he's definitely been on the downtrend, a lot of teams would like a guy like that. Yeah, and would pay a lot for him. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, look, I'm no big fan of Krejci. I'm not. I don't think he's a hard-nosed player. He's not your typical Bruin. Um, But he certainly is good at sort of dishing out the puck as the center on that second line. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to sort of see who plays with him this year. I can't imagine he's happy about that. Um, You know, will it be Pasternak or will it be, you know – DeBrusk and Donato, or who will it be? So I think there are a lot of things that are pissing off David Krejci right okay. now. Okay,
1: but here's the thing, and we're going to get to this in a sec. I just want to read one more quote there from Krejci to Joe Haggerty of NBC Boston. So he also goes on to say, I understand that it's the hockey business that you have to do whatever you have to do to make the hockey team better. Obviously, I don't want to go anywhere, but Donnie Sweeney has got to do what he's got to do. Hockey is a business is what I've learned over the years. I love being here, and i got three years left. So for me, it was just about getting ready to be the best player I can be. I'm still young, and I feel like I still have some of my best years in front of me. Maybe not 70 or 80 points production-wise, but maybe more of a complete player and helping out the young guys grow. Okay, so he also talks. They were talking about social media and being a target there. He says, I try to stay away from that as much as I can from everything during the Tavares sweepstakes, but you can't. I was actually getting some not-so-very-nice messages on Instagram to ask for a trade but so, you know, they could get Tavares. Some people were asking me in a nice way, and some weren't asking me in a very nice way. I have a lot of fans, which is great. I think it's a common thing where people say, awesome, awesome, great job, and you appreciate it. But if there's a bad comment, it sticks in your head. So that wasn't nice. Okay. Look, I'm going to come out and say this, Evan, and you can disagree with me You agree with me. I'm going to preface it, though, by saying I really like Krejci. And it was great having that conversation with him and Hags uh, last week and catching up with him. He's a good guy. I like him he's sometimes a little aloof and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here, but his agent needs to pull him aside and he's done this before. And I think maybe it might be time for a new agent because clearly the message hasn't been conveyed to him to, to basically, and I, you know, I'm going to put it bluntly, shut the bleep up, shut up. Yeah. What, what is the point of saying all this right now? Was there a point of saying it? When it was going on, sure there was. And everyone can understand where you're coming from, David. But you got to shut up about this right now because you, you you, just come off as a whiner. And I don't think you are. I think you're a good guy. I don't think that's what you mean here. I think you're just too honest. I think you're very matter of fact. And I, 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 I love that as a reporter. I love that about you. But at the same time, you're hurting yourself. And that would be my message to David Krejci if I was his agent being like, look, I think it's great you're transparent with the media. They're going to appreciate that, and it's going to help you. And, you know, if you need favors, they'll help you for sure. But sometimes you can't be that transparent.
0: And well, right, exactly. Right. It's funny. When you wait, said you
1: could – I'm just going to say, so he comes off kind of as, you know, a crybaby here. One, one of the other things that drives me nuts too, and you just brought it up there about, you know, should they switch Pasternak and all this, is why are we always talking about, well, if David Krejci had a winger, or we got to go out and get a – a winger for David Krejci. The Bruins, and of course, you know, they did that with Rick Nash, but that didn't work because of the concussions. That's nobody's fault. But, you know, it's always, well, he'll play better when he has a winger. Maybe they should break up. The best line they probably had, and maybe in my time covering the Bruins, that line last year, Bergeron, Martian, and Passanek is the best line, and I'm I'm sorry, everyone. I I keep seeing all this talk about breaking it up, and every time I read it, I'm thinking, are these people on crack? This is the best... Line in hockey, and you want to break it up? No,
0: I've never why, understood that.
1: Why should you have to cater to a player? Why doesn't the player step up and make himself better, and not wait for somebody else to make himself better? And again, I don't mean any offense to Krejci, and maybe I don't think this is Krejci saying this. I think this is more sometimes manufactured by the team, and sometimes I think it's manufactured by the fans and the media. But who cares about getting Krejci a winger? How about Krejci makes himself better? And makes the players around him better. That's when David Krejci's playing well. It's not necessarily the winger making Krejci better and, oh, let's break up the best line in hockey so David Krejci can be better. No, screw that. You keep that line and you say to Krejci, hey, look, man, let's step it up. We know you got it. In, we know that you have it in you. Let's step it up. So what's your thoughts yeah. on that?
0: Well, it's it's just like I think it's so immature. It's funny when you said you can disagree with agree with me. I thought you were gonna go all in for defending and I was gonna come at you, and be like, oh. I'm gonna say everything you pretty much said. I think it's so petty and it's so stupid that he's sitting there and focusing on Instagram DMs, yeah. Instagram DMs, like yeah, grow yeah, some skin, grow some skin. Yeah, exactly. Austin. You know how many people are freaking covering you and saying way worse things than some random freaking idiot on Instagram? Who gives? Who cares? Like, and it's funny because there aren't a lot of storylines around this Bruins team, but now there kind of is with Krejci. That there's a bad rift between Krejci and the Bruins. I know it's been said before, and you know, and people. Yeah, who- I
1: don't think it's that bad, though. I but, think he's making it worse. I think is an
0: idiot for saying this. That's the truth.
1: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's a, dumb- a, that's a blunt way to – I don't think he was smart either. And, and look, I, I, I think – look, again, I like the guy. I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's one of the better centers they've had, definitely during my time covering the team. But, like, I, I just think that it, – it, I think we're both – in a, it does, it's, it's not going to help anything. If anything, it's gonna, it's going to become a distraction and a negative when you say something like that. So, and, and, you know, we look at what's going on and what just happened up in Montreal. And, and of course, the Canadians on early, early Monday morning, uh, 1.07 a.m. announced I was up for this. I was so surprised. I had, uh, I had passed out. I had a long day uh, watching football. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I was just like, I wake up to that email this morning. Of course, the Canadians trade uh, Max Pacioretty, their captain. Finally, he goes to uh, Las Vegas. Um, for Thomas Tatar, prospect Nick Suzuki, and a second-round pick in 2019. Um, I think actually an amazing job by Mark Bergevin, considering all the um, negativity that had surrounded the team and Pacioretty over the last few months. Uh, You would think GMs kind of had him by the balls there and could get whatever they wanted, uh, you know, and kind of bend him over, so to speak, and not not have to uh, do a, uh, you know, a good – give him a good return, but I thought a pretty good return. It's not going to necessarily help him now, but it will help him. Uh, in a yeah, few-
0: I, th- I thought they could have got a little bit more.
1: I thought it here, Here's the deal, though. Back to Krejci. We see the animosity that built with the, the player and the team trading barbs and then the agent as well. And I wonder, like, you know, does is that where David Krejci wants to go with this? I mean, do you want to get it to that point where, you know, all right, we know both sides want to part ways, because if that's what he's looking at for right now, if, he, if this was him angling to get out of here, and I, I, I wonder if it was. I don't know. I don't have any – this is just me hypothesizing. Then he better just come out and say it. Don't, don't be doing all these subliminal messages like Pacioretty did or like the team did. Come out and say it and let's get it over with before the season starts. But I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I, I
0: just think we're in agreement, man. Like, what good comes from saying this? Nothing, nothing comes from good, comes from saying this. And and I think even more so, you know, if the Bruins are to trade him, you know, these other teams are going to look and go, okay, well, this guy really hasn't performed up to his contract. Let's face it. He hasn't. And alongside that he's bitching to the media about this stuff, you know? And I mean, he didn't make a huge deal of it, but it's a pretty big story um, for him, for, for him to come out and say this about the Bruins and his agent not talking to him and so I, I think I look at that and it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, it, Krejci doesn't look great right now. Um, fans, he's not, the, he's not a fan favorite. People don't really love him. And, you know, you look at this and I don't, I don't think this helps his case. And I no, think
1: but it him. doesn't help the Bruins either unless they get in a center in return. Because right now, if you take away David Krejci, they, they're brutal up the middle. And let's face it, man, over the last 10 years – the key to winning a Stanley Cup, you know, and I, I see our buddy Mick Collaggio point it all, all the time, is having a good one-two punch at center. You look at the last 10 Stanley Cup champions, and they all had a solid one-two punch up the middle. The Bruins right now still have that. Yeah, both guys are aging a bit, but they're still, you know, most teams would give anything to have a Bergeron Krejci one-two punch. Obviously, they need a third-line guy, but, man, if you trade away that and you don't fill that void in the trade, which I think would be very hard to do, then, you know, it, you're in trouble. And that's why I don't think there's a David Krejci trade happening right now.
0: Yeah, but, Wait. Murph, JFK is all set to be the second. Oh, leader.
1: yeah, Ryan Donato and all this. Ryan
0: Donato is the future. God, it drives me
1: nuts so how much people fall in love with potential. Jack
0: Nick is the greatest center ever play the game. He's going to be so stud. much better than David He's you see that goal? I mean, it was a dirty goal in the prospects game, but he's ready to be the second one.
1: Yeah, line, let's so. see him pull that in a real game. <laughs> let's see if that happens. But, you know, anyhow, looking at the rest of the team, because we gotta, we got to cut it short here in a bit, but I want to get it before I let yeah, you I have go, to go do homework. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, my friend. I wish I was in those days. Uh, before we go, I, I, I do want to ask you, what's another item, just a big item that's sort of standing out in your head, uh, that you're focusing on as training camp begins.
0: I am looking at the defensive competition. 100%. And, and you did a great
1: piece on that, my friend. Good job.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's coming soon, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the idea is there's eight def- there's eight NHL signed and ready defensemen on the team. And, uh, as most hockey fans would know, you can only dress six defensemen. Not many people dress seven because there's no need. Yeah. Um, obviously this team has had problems with defensemen staying healthy in the past. um, but to start the regular season, you have eight guys who are all viable to put in the lineup. And they didn't, you know, last year there was a lot of, there were four right shot defensemen. McQuaid was the odd man out for a long time. Um, and then when Carlo went down, McQuaid sort of stepped in. Uh, but now on the left side, you know, Cam Neely had said, oh, we want to get bigger on the left side. And they went on and got John Moore, signed him to a five-year deal. And that makes sense, but they never let go of Grizzlick or Krug. They're still on the roster. Yeah. And, you know, Grislyk and Krug. Krug is obviously the much better player. I mean, he's a much better on offense and all that stuff. And he's, you know, power play quarterback. But, you know, there's a, there's a potential that Grizzlick could end up turning into some form of Tory Krug. So you have two guys who kind of do the same thing. And then you have John Moore and Chara, Chara obviously being the better of the two. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of questions. What, what will happen with the right and left side on defense? I, I have no idea what they'll do. I think Bruce Cassidy will probably go with whoever the, the team they're playing. You know, if it's a bigger team, he's going to put, you know, John Moore out there and Chara and, uh, you know, Krug. Whereas if they're playing against a team where offense is more of a factor, you'll have Grizzlick and Krug and Chara out there. I think it's gonna be Grizzlick and Moore switching off. I could be totally wrong. I have no inside info to know that. Um, I talked to both McQuaid and Matt Grizzlick. If you guys saw it, it's on the Bruins C L N S Twitter, I go urge you guys to go check it out. Um, but they were both pretty they didn't seem too confident about their role in the whole in the whole scheme of things. To
1: yeah, it that definitely I think that's one of the biggest topics for sure. And I I definitely by the time the season starts, I I think like one of Krug, Grizzlick, McQuaid, or Miller. One of them is likely not on this team anymore. It gets dealt away. We'll see. Maybe it doesn't happen by the end of camp, early in the season, though. It, it's just numbers. That being said, though, another thing that wins cups for you is having depth on defense.
0: Agreed. The Bruins have been the victim of that. You know
1: what? I've always said when you get to playoff time and you always notice these guys, these GMs loading up at the trade deadline on defensemen, even if it's just a sixth or seventh guy, you know. You can never have too many D man, and it is true. So it's not the end of the world, but the problem is, can you go a whole season like that with you know two guys being a healthy scratch all the time, and you got some one way contracts there? So it will be interesting to see what happens. I think the other thing to focus on is David Bax. And yes, and David no backs is about huge. That. Okay, I, I think you know he's borderline Rick Nash territory with the concussions he's had, but from everything we hear, he's come back strong. He's had a strong off season. He's leaner. He's been focusing on his skating. And we talk about who can fill that third-line center spot. What if Bax comes and has a monster camp? Why not trade him? I mean, not trade him. Why not try him at the center slot? He played center in St. Louis. He's a big body in front. And put some of those young guys around him. If he was somehow able to fill that third-line center slot, that would solve a lot of issues to the Bruins. Because I don't think any of these other guys you've been mentioning there, you know, we're kind of sarcastically saying it, uh JFK or or you know Donato or Sidneek, I don't think those guys are quite ready for being a regular center in the NHL just yet. I think they're better off starting on the wing. So we'll see what happens there. Hey Evan, you know what? We're gonna have to cut short today because you like you said, you're gonna get to some homework here. And look, yes, sir. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, I know like we've been told, as everyone knows me, they know I love my music and I usually love to incorporate it into the podcast. Um, but I was told that just, unfortunately, we can't do that right now. We have to stay within time limits and add space and all that. But for instances like this, with this being nine 11, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna send this one out to anyone who was affected by that horrible day. 17 years ago. Um, this is Eddie Vedder covering Bruce Springsteen, my city of ruins. This has been another edition of the Bruins beat. He's Evan Marinofsky and I'm Jimmy Murphy. This is CLNS Media. We'll talk to you next week. Never forget.
2: There's a blood red circle on a cold, dark ground in the rain is falling down the church door's stone open I can hear the organ song But the congregation's gone my city of a ruin. My city of a ruin. Now the sweet bells of mercy drifting through the evening trees. Young man on the corner lies scattered leaves. A boarded up windows, the empty streets. And my brothers down on his me. My city of ruin. My city's in a ruin.